Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. If you've been around the last uh, few weeks, we, um, we started a, a conversation with mission. We just finished up that series, that four-week series last week. A few weeks ago, Dr. Perry was here talking about uh, where we are as far as like uh, a race problem in our community, in our nation, and how we as the church are called to engage with that. If you felt um, compelled and moved by that to say, what's my next step? What do I do? Dr. Perry held up this book called Divided by Faith. Um, and I would say, as I have been mentored by Dr. Perry, one of the things that he has strongly, strongly pointed me toward is to say, before you do anything, learn. Before you try to go and make a difference, before you try and go and make an impact, you get educated, get, uh, grow in your understanding and capacity and convictions uh, in this whole area. And so if you are moved and you want to, we ordered six copies of this book that Dr. Perry recommends. Um, I am reading it. I'm digesting it with him. Um, and I, we have six of these. You can check this out and get into it. I would suggest reading it with somebody um, talking about um, it goes through history and it, ha- it, it makes you grapple with some ugly truths that you may not even be aware of. Um, it's very eye-opening and it's very good and it's very humbling. And yet, um, for me, it has produced uh, growing convictions. So this is what I would say is a next step if you're wondering what next steps are. Uh, check this out. If you want to buy it on your own or if you want to uh, come up and check one of these out, come and talk to me afterward um, and we'll do that. Okay? I want to start this morning with two different pictures, two different illustrations. Um, and the first is a gift. So imagine I give you a gift. You're having a party or it's your birthday or whatever and I come with a, a gift and it's in a gift bag and you dig in and you pull out the card first because you know, you're, like, you're obligated to go through that first. And I wrote some neat Hallmark thing and um, you work through that and then you get to the real gift and you dig in and you open it up and you, you love what's inside and I'm just a wonderful gift giver and you're so excited and you unwrap it and then you get to live life in the joy of that gift, right? Good, isn't it? But what if there's more at the bottom of the bag? What if I had stuffed a $500 gift card in the bottom of the bag and you didn't see it? And you just kind of set it aside and said, I love what I've been given so far. Is what you've received good? Have I held out on you by not giving you the entire thing? No, but you've missed something huge, right? You've missed an incredible part of the gift. Take that picture and put it on the shelf. The second illustration that I want to talk about is uh, relationships. The longer you're in a relationship with somebody, the more you know about that person, right? That's not super profound. As I was coming here on staff at Damascus Road, I think even before I was introduced um, publicly, I got an invitation to jump into a teaching team meeting. And an email went out saying, hey, guys, we're going to pull together. We're going to come, and we're just going to try and figure out this next series. And somebody replied back, like, who's this Shannon girl? (laughs) (laughs) It's not the first time. (laughs) Like, so growing up, I received invitations in the mail to beauty pageants. (laughs) 
And I thought, I'm tempted, but it's going to get to the evening gown portion of the competition and things are going to get real awkward. Okay? And just even a few years ago, I, w I received in the mail this incredible honor that I was selected out of all of the potential candidates in our country, that I was selected to be upon, among this elite group of who's who among American professional women. You know how much I wanted to pay the $25 to be included in the book with my mug like. The more you know a person, the longer you're in relationship, the more you get to see about them. You see my name in paper, Shannon, and you might think one thing, and that might not be anything like who I really am. And the more you get to know me, the more time we spend together, you start to see more of that. My grandmother recently died, uh, my mom's mom, and we had the funeral a few weeks ago. And my grandfather, they've been married over, they were married over 60 years. Uh, my grandfather is still processing that loss. Her closet is the same today as it was a few weeks ago, and he hasn't touched it. And, and you start to get into the thinking behind it. Say, it's just, it's just too soon to say goodbye to all of that, because they aren't just outfits, right? Each of those outfits she wore, and they went someplace together. And you could connect each of those outfits to a time and a place and an event and a relationship. Each of those, each of those outfits are a reminder of a relationship, 60 years worth. And that's meaningful. The longer you spend with somebody, the more opportunity you have to know them deeply. The beauty of relationships is that this depth and vulnerability and intimacy with which you can know somebody. Like that's the invitation to relationship. You get to know the deep stuff of that person. So why these illustrations? Why, why would we talk about gift giving and missing out on a huge part of the gift that's been offered and the depth, the deep stuff of relationships? We have a gift in God that we often fail to recognize. Our relationship with the Holy Spirit often goes untapped, often goes... Um, unrecognized, as if God has given us a gift, and we pull out Jesus, and we love Jesus, and we miss this grand, critical part of the gift that he's offered. Francis Chan is an author, wonderful, wonderful pastor and author. He calls the Holy Spirit the forgotten God. We recognize God the Father. We love Jesus the Son, but we don't know what to do with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit can make us uncomfortable or fearful of others' judgment. Like, if, if they find out about my relationship with the Holy Spirit, they're going to put me into a category. And I, I don't want to fit in a category. So we forget about the Spirit. Or we neglect the Spirit. We even may dismiss the Spirit. Or if people talk about the Spirit, our immediate posture is one of skepticism. Like, I'm not sure that we, I want to go there. I want to tell you, if we think we know God, 
the Father. If we think we know Jesus, but we don't know the Spirit, we are missing out. The God of the Bible is triune in nature, that he one God in three persons. He's God the Father, he's God the Son, and he's God the Spirit. And this is a package deal. Each member of the Trinity is distinct and yet equal. In John 1, 1 through 3, we're told that the Son is equal to the Father. And later on in Romans 8, 9 through 11, we're told that the Spirit is equal to the Son. So what does that make the Spirit equal to? The Father. That all three are distinct and yet equal. They are working together as one and have different roles and responsibility. To say, I want the Father... I want Jesus, but I'll take a pass on the Spirit. Is about the same thing as the Jews of the Old Testament saying, we want God, we want Yahweh, but we're going to take a pass on Jesus. Is to miss who God is. Now, I'm not sure how many of us would actually say, I'm going to take a pass on the Spirit. But the way that we think and our actions or inactions may very well reveal an apathy toward the Spirit that borders on rejection of the Spirit. So we're starting today a series on the Holy Spirit, and it's going to carry us all the way into the new year, um, coming from a place of far country where we started this fall to say, this world is not my home. I need to keep my sights set on the far country and moving into a mission that if God has me as a citizen of a far country and, and, and I'm, I'm supposed to follow his call, how do I do that? And by what power do I do that? How does, how does that even happen? This whole series on uh, the Holy Spirit gets at the answer to that question through and by a relationship with God in the Holy Spirit. We're empowered in mission to keep our eyes set on a far country. And there's so much more than that that we get to get into. So let's pray. And then we'll jump into the text this morning. Father, you are not a God who wants to hide away. You are a God who wants to be known, and you reveal yourself to us. Over and over and over again, you have come to people to reveal yourself. We have the entire Bible as your uh, written inspiration to us about who you are and who we are and who you call us to be. Would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear this gift in you that sometimes maybe always we fail to recognize. Would you open us up to who you are, Spirit? We know you are present. You are ever-present, always present, and yet uh, even in that, we ask that you would work this morning to penetrate us, to open us up uh, to see the greater depths of who you are. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you have a Bible, you can open up to John 14. We're going to read John 14, verses 15 through 17, and then jump forward to 
verses 25 and 26. This is Jesus. He's having a far country conversation with his uh, disciples. He's saying, I'm, I'm about to leave. I'm about to go back to the Father. And this is, this is actually good for you. I'm going to go prepare a place. And you know the way. And they're like, we don't know the way. And he says, I am the way. You walk in me. You follow me. And that, that is the way to the Father. But, I, but I'm not even done yet. I'm going to give you more than that. So I'm, I'm going to send the Spirit. And this is where we pick up in John 14 in uh, verses 15 through 17. Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Jump to verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring, you, uh, bring to your remembrance all the things that I have said to you. So Jesus, Jesus says, I'm going away. I'm going to send another Helper. And you get to Acts verse 1-8, and he says, now is not the time of this earthly kingdom. We're still in this far country kind of time, this broken in-between. And I want you to be my witnesses. I want you to be my witnesses. And you're going to receive a power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then I want you to use that. I want, I want you to see me and I want you to tell about me. I want you to see me. I want you to serve people. I want you to share uh, with your actions and your words who I am and what you've seen and what you've experienced and how people can know me. And the Spirit is going to fill you and He's going to do that in you. The Holy Spirit, then, is who we get to dig into. about How, how do we deepen our relationship with the Spirit? And so that, I want, to, I want to talk at a very foundational level to say when we start a conversation on the Spirit, it's very important to make a distinction to say that the Holy Spirit is a person, not an object. The Holy Spirit is a per the person of God, the third person of God in the Trinity. He's not a force. He's not a power. Acts 1.8 says, you will receive power when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. He says, you, you won't receive like the Holy Spirit who is, who is power. Like, you'll receive the Holy, you're going to receive power that comes from the Holy Spirit as you're filled with Him. This is one of the things that will happen. But he's bigger than just a force. He is a person. So what I want to do is to say, let's, let's look for some of these distinctions. If we say the Holy Spirit is a person, what do we even mean by that? Say, uh, what, are some of the, what are some of the attributes of being a person versus just being a force? And I want, to, I want to do a little bit of a workshop. If you have a Bible, open up to 1 Corinthians 2. We're going to put it up here uh, in a, a few different slides. I want you to spend time in 1 Corinthians 2, verses uh, 9 through 13. And I want, you to, I want you to go through there as it talks about the Spirit. And I want you to identify what are personal characteristics that are being identified here of who the Spirit is. 
What does the Spirit do that would reveal is a person, not just a force, one that, one that thinks, one that acts, one that does things, one that has a will? What, what kinds of things are identified just in this text alone? And there's tons of them throughout the Bible. Spend a few minutes either by yourself or with somebody next to you saying, oh, that's one specifically, and that's another, and there's another. Spend a few minutes identifying characteristics that reveal personhood in the Spirit. Back in verse 9, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed through the Spirit. And you see see that the Spirit reveals the things of God, right? That the Spirit isn't just a force. He reveals, He shines light, He illuminates the things of God. And it goes on that the Spirit searches. A power can't search, right? A person can search. The Spirit searches everything, the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So the Spirit knows the thoughts of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. So the Spirit gives gifts. The Spirit gives gifts how? Freely. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit. And there's another. So the Spirit teaches. And in just this one text alone, you can see the Spirit starting to come alive. You can see the Spirit starting to be seen not just as a, a force, not just as a, um, an inanimate entity or power, but as a person of God who, does the, who, who reveals and who searches and who teaches and who gives gifts. This is the Spirit who is active and alive and coming to meet with us. He reveals God to us. He searches, he comprehends, he gives, and he teaches. They are not activities of a mere force or power. And to fail to recognize the person of the Holy Spirit is to make less of God. Why is this important? Because to fail to recognize the person of the Holy Spirit is to miss out on the relationship that he offers. 
Instead, we treat him like some kind of divine commodity, like some something good, like something good that God doles out, that we, we beg God for. Give me more of that. Give, I want more of the Spirit. And we treat him as an asset to be gained. One author uh, wrote, If we think of the Holy Spirit, as so many do, as a mere power or influence, our constant thought will be, how can I get more of the Spirit? But if we think of Him in a biblical way as a divine person, our thought will rather be, how can the Holy Spirit have more of me? You see the huge difference there? Instead of saying, God, I want more of this thing from you. And I love the prayer to say, God, I want more of you. But what if we flip it to say, what if God has already given himself to us fully, that it's there, that he's saying, what, what do you mean you want more of me? I've already given you everything. What if we switch the prayer to say, God, how can I give you more of me? How can I, how, how can I offer more of myself to you, submit myself to you, give myself to you, and and in so doing, find myself filled, find myself flowing with your spirit. But it's not because you, you have held back and I just I, I need to beg you for more. It's because maybe I've held back and I need to give you more. Does this this to me, this to me is awe-inspiring. To know that God doesn't just give us power, but he sends himself to fill us. And through him, as we offer ourselves to him, we do find ourselves empowered. We don't just receive the power of God, we receive the person of God. God himself in the Holy Spirit has come to fill us. Like a relationship, the deeper we get, the more we discover. Like a diamond with many different facets. And each time you turn it just a little bit, you're like, wow, I didn't see that before. I love this. We just keep turning God a little bit deeper and a little bit, uh, a little bit different angle to see more of who he is. And each time we see more of who he is and each time we offer ourselves more deeply to him, I think that's an opportunity to receive awe, to, to find ourselves awestruck at who God is. The Holy Spirit meets us in many different ways. And through this series, we're going to talk about different facets of the Holy Spirit. Each week to say, let's turn it just a little and let's look at another beautiful face of the Spirit. Not just breaking the Spirit down into uh, he is this attribute and he's this attribute, but he's a person who has all of these attributes together. We'll come, to this, we'll come to see the Holy Spirit as life giver, as the God who fills us with life while we're dead spiritually, but breathes life into us. The Holy Spirit is life giver. He is light bringer. That we live in shadows, and if left to ourselves, we tuck back into the shadows of our own lives, and we live in the darkness, and the Holy Spirit serves us by shining light on our shadow places and saying, I will not let you live there. I'm going to convict you of sin. I'm going to shine light on your sin. I'm going to help you feel guilt so that 
so that you can walk in healing. Not, not so that you walk in condemnation, in shame. I'm going to show you your sin so that I can show you what I've already done to pay for it so that you can find wholeness and healing. He's, he is the light bringer. He's the empowerer. The one who, who empowers our mission, who empowers us to do things, not, not by our own effort, but by the fruit that he is producing in our lives. He's our advocate. He's actually God for us. As, as a lawyer or as an attorney who argues on behalf of us that we don't have to state our own case before the Father, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit argues for us. He's our advocate. The Holy Spirit is like Emmanuel on steroids. Emmanuel is the Christmas message, right? That God is with us. The Holy Spirit is not, not just God with us as Jesus came and walked with people here and now, and it was incredible. The Holy Spirit takes that to another level. That's why Jesus said, it's better for you if I go so that another helper can come just like me, but this is going to be God with you and God in you. The Holy Spirit is our guide. The Holy Spirit shows us the way. So he illuminates sin in our life, but he, he, he does more than that. He, he'll guide us and he'll show us the way to go. He's our comforter, meeting us in the dark places of our life and giving us hope, and giving us peace that defy our circumstances. I say no matter what comes, with the Spirit, I have hope and peace. The Holy Spirit is our transformer. Like he, he changes us, and He is never finished changing us, and He never gives up. He will always be working with us that we could be transformed into who God is calling us to be. And we want to talk about the gifts that God gives along the way in the Holy Spirit. Talk about spiritual gifts, talk about gifts of the Spirit uh, gifts that God in the Spirit freely gives. So the Holy Spirit is a person. And the Holy Spirit draws us to God. The Holy Spirit is yearning to have a relationship with you. He has been pursuing you, even in your neglect of Him, even in your unbelief and your doubt. He continues to call you to come near. The Holy Spirit wants a relationship. No matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter what baggage you feel like you are carrying, the Holy Spirit continues to call for you. He's calling your name. Jesus came and he died so that you could have life, and the Spirit carries this message to you. In him we find healing from our brokenness and rest from our weariness. This is, a, this is an incredible combination that we could find ourselves in a place of awe that leads to a place of healing, that leads to a place of rest. And not rest like laziness, but rest like wholeness and peace that goes beyond any kind of understanding we could have. This is the life that the Spirit offers, and, and you can have it. You can enter into it, even this morning. How is the Holy Spirit drawing you this morning? 
Where is he asking you to give more of yourself to him? Hebrews 3, 7 and 8 says, The Holy Spirit says, The Holy Spirit says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Will you respond? Say, Spirit, I want more of you. And even more than that, I want to give me, I want to give you more of who I am. What will it look like when we do that? What will this kind of relationship produce in our lives? The Bible says that a relationship with the Spirit actually produces fruit. Like, like a tree that is planted and has all the things that it needs for it to grow, it will eventually bear fruit. Just That's what healthy trees do. We have a healthy relationship with the Spirit. Galatians 5, and 23 says that it grows this in our lives, love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control, that this actually becomes the litmus test for the Spirit in our life. Honestly, if you hear somebody say that they are a Christian, but they do not bear this kind of fruit in their life, be wary be wary. If you, say so, if you hear somebody say, yeah, I'm a Christian, and yet you look at their life, and if you have a relationship with them, you are in far better position than you know, from afar. But if you look in their life and you say, I don't see love, and I don't see joy, and I don't see peace, and I don't see patience, and I don't see kindness, I don't see these things. Be wary of listening to them as someone who is uh, following Jesus and walking with the Spirit. Because the Spirit naturally produces these things. If you say that you are a Christian and the fruit is not present, it should rattle you. It, it should alarm you to say, what's wrong? What do I need to do? How do I need to respond more to God? How do, I, how do I need to let him have more freedom so that he can do what he naturally does? I don't just need to try harder to be more loving or to be more peaceful. I don't have to just try, try harder, but I, how, how do I need to submit to the Spirit? How do I need to give myself more to him so that these things grow? We don't cook it up for ourselves. The Spirit produces these things in us as we offer ourselves to Him. If we want to be, uh, if we want marriages that have love and peace and patience, where do we go to find that? We go to, we go to the Holy Spirit. If we want to be more self-controlled people, where do we go to find that? We go to the Holy Spirit. If I recognize that I have no joy, that I'm not walking in the Spirit, the answer is not just to cook up some joy, but to offer myself to Him so that He, he can remind me of who I am. And He can remind me of who He is and what He's doing in my life. And so I'll ask you again, 
What is he speaking to you? What is he teaching you? What does he want you to know? Where is he drawing you? Where do you hear him asking for more of you? As a caution, the Holy Spirit, God, will never speak in a way that is contradictory to who he is. So if you feel like you have a word from the Spirit, and it is in direct opposition to what God has already spoken in the Bible, it's garbage. That is not from the Spirit. God, God speaks with a unified voice. He does not change. His character is always the same. So if you want to test what you think you hear from the Spirit, you run it by people in community with God. I think I'm hearing this. Do you think that sounds consistent with what the Spirit may be saying? Say, no, man, that, I have huge red flags with that. You had better test the spirits because there are many voices trying to get your attention. And to just hear a voice and to say, this must be God. And I know it, I felt it can be really, really bad for you. Test what you think the Spirit is saying by what God has already said in a community of people who are walking this out with you. R.A. Torrey speaks of a life lived in relationship with the Spirit. I, I love this. We'll close up here. He says, Herein lies the whole secret of a real Christian life, a life of liberty and joy and power and fullness. He says, this is what walking with the Spirit in relationship with the Spirit is, to have as one's ever-present friend, to be conscious that the one, um, to be conscious that one has as his ever-present friend, the Holy Spirit, to surrender one's life in all its departments entirely to his control. This, he says, is true Christian living, walking in relationship with the Spirit. So let's close this way. May we repent for our apathy toward the Spirit. May we be people who recognize and love the Holy Spirit. May we find ourselves in awe of the Holy Spirit. May we find healing and rest as we offer ourselves to the Holy Spirit. And may we experience this life-giving relationship with the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, you are good. You created us and you love us. Jesus, you came to buy us back. And Spirit, you offer us life. Would you help us to take hold of the gift that you have offered? Would you help us to recognize the gift that you've given Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as one package deal of you offering your very self to us? May we give ourselves to you so that you have free reign to run through us. And as we do that, would you bear fruit in us that looks like your character. 
Father, as we move into a time of communion, would you remind us of the cost? Jesus, you gave everything to buy us back. Would you remind us of the gift, spirit, the life that you offer? Turn our hearts toward you. We want to worship you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.